Okay, just just a bit of a pre-warning for this week is normally I have trouble reading my notes because I write really messy. This week, I'm going to have trouble reading my notes because I write really messy and my eyes all messed up. <laughs> so that's a bad combination, writing messy and uh, bad head. <sighs> I shouldn't say bad head. All right. A couple weeks ago, we had a kid who was licking the lid of a shared water pitcher in a restaurant and posted online, just like all these other, like, again, the sushi terrorists, we're now calling food terrorists in Japan. A couple details have come out because he and the person who filmed it have been arrested. This is an interesting thing for me, is the second part we'll get into. The boy is 16 years old, so he's not... I mean, he wasn't going to do jail time anyways. Uh, it becomes, once you get arrested for it, it becomes sort of a civil suit between you and the company that owns the restaurant. So I think it was Sushiro was the sushi terrorism thing, and then that company was suing them for a stock price drop uh, when that kid did some gross stuff in the restaurant. So that's something to be aware of. Like, It's not like he's going to prison. He could be opening his family to a lawsuit. I found out that this incident happened at 5.10 in the morning. So, first of all, they're at a ramen restaurant. And who's eating ramen at 5.10 in the morning? Like, even if you're a night worker, 5.10 in the morning, isn't the, it's not ramen time. I mean, I guess different, different people, different moods. I have become a very uh, serious, serious? That makes it sound like I got a problem. I've become a very adamant lunch drinker. If I'm going to drink, I want to drink at lunchtime. And then over the course of the day, I can sober up and I'm going to feel a little hangover coming on. I can start drinking water and then I go to bed and then I wake up the next morning and I feel great. I've realized that night drinking is actually the mistake. We should all be drinking at lunchtime, day drinking almost exclusively. So the boy, the 16-year-old boy and his 20-year-old friend who is videoing it. So already, again, I can see there's a bad influence. The older boy videoing the younger boy probably encouraging him to do the bad thing. That's going to be the first sort of issue, is the, the, the young guy's going to take the lead from the, what I'm going to go ahead and just assume is a negative influence because he ended up getting arrested. So you're not going to call that a positive influence on his life. The 16-year-old is underage. So again, probably very little is going to happen to him. Again, open to a civil lawsuit that could affect his family or his parents. The 20-year-old, though, he's in a different set of trouble because he's an adult, so he's responsible for himself. When arrested, the 20-year-old said, I posted the video on social media, but I don't remember why I filmed it or why I uploaded it. Let me, let me fill you in. Not even being there, not even knowing who you are, you filmed it because other people had done this kind of stupid stuff and gotten attention for it. You uploaded it because you wanted the attention. I mean, that's it. That's the whole, it sounded like I had a third point. I didn't. Those are the only two. You saw other people were getting attention. You thought, hey, maybe I can get the same amount of attention. So you did. Both were arrested for our favorite obstruction of business. And then, so usually, right now he's only got one paw. He'll, he'll put on two paws, right? And then, um, it's quite heavy. He took, he took the one paw off when I was, when I was moving. It was, you know, it's very nice of him. Talked about last week, about the guy from the 70s who'd planted a bomb. He was part of a, a group 
he blew up some stuff and he went into hiding, he went into hiding until he was 70 years old. He stayed off the grid for the entire time, which is really impressive, if I'm being honest. Uh, he didn't use his national health insurance until the point where he actually got cancer and the cancer got so far he had to go into hospital and then he had to use his national health insurance and then they found out who he was. He then died like a week later. So that was national news. It was all over the news. And the picture they put up was of his mugshot. Now, in Japan, they have these sort of yellow posters, and they put on, like, the nine most wanted people in Japan at the time. Or they'll put on, like, here's the nine most uh, in biggest scammers or whatever. So this guy, because they're like talking about this guy from the 70s, and you know, oh, he's been from the 70s, and they put, they put his poster up again and again and again every time they talk about him, post him. And there's a picture next to it. And it's another guy, not other guy. He's also a criminal. He's also another guy who's been a criminal in hiding the entire time, wanted for an attempted murder back in 2020. It turns out having his picture on the news every day for a couple of weeks was enough for someone to go, oh, I kind of think I know who that guy is. I think I've seen that guy around before. He hangs out in that building that's full of Yakuza. In Japan, they actually, the Yakuza will buy a building to house the Yakuza. Uh, and the whole point is, if you are a Yakuza in hiding, you go into one of these apartment buildings where it's all other Yakuza, and they're not going to turn you in. The problem with having your face on the news every day, it means if you go outside, which you probably do, you maybe go outside, buy groceries, and do some other stuff, uh, it means other people will see your face. And someone put it together, put an anonymous tip in, hey, that guy lives in Sendai, the police arrested him on February 1st. So it's it's an interesting thing. Just throwing the pictures up on the on the news again and again and again was enough for people to go like, I actually think I recognize that guy. So you think about wanted posters not working, but they kind of work if you get it on national news so that a whole bunch of people can see it. And then, you know, nosy neighbors. That's not just a Japanese thing, but it is a very big Japanese thing. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. I was of recording. This is February 13th. Tomorrow is February 14th, which is traditionally Valentine's Day in Japan. Uh, if you are a fan of Japan, it's pretty fairly common knowledge now that it's not done in the Western tradition. They made their own tradition where a woman will give a man chocolate on Valentine's Day. And then a month later, on White Day, men are supposed to reciprocate by giving cookies. There is a tradition in Japan that the women in an office give really shit chocolates to everyone in their office, like all the guys in their office. They don't like them. They don't find them attractive. It's just something you do. That's called giri choco. Now, the giri, giri giri is like almost, but it's in English they translate it to obligation chocolate. And I never thought about the word, but giri, it kind of means like barely. So it's like barely chocolate or maybe barely affectionate chocolate or something like that. I actually need to go get the etymology of that because I actually I was thinking about it as I was writing this down that the the direct translation while it makes perfect sense doesn't actually translate the words it translates the spirit of the phrase which is an interesting aspect of translation. When you have something called super dragon punch in Japanese and you're going to translate to the English, do you call it Super Dragon Punch or do you change it to something else that would be more sort of in the right atmosphere or feeling of the words, which would be interesting. Totally relevant. I just, I realized that Giri Choco or Giri Giri Choco doesn't translate into obligation chocolate. It would actually translate into I, on essentially shit chocolate. The practice has reached its lowest point since this survey began. 
I didn't write down when the survey began, which is a big failure on my part as a journalist. But luckily, I'm not being held to journalistic standards because I don't get paid. <laughs> the benefit of being an independent anything is that you can kind of just make up the rules as you go. If someone accuses me of not being a good journalist, I'll be like, well, pay me. Then I might become a good journalist. There was a 19,000-person survey. 37.6% plan to give gifts. That's up 3.2%. Usually gifts are given to spouses or partners. Worst reporter ever. The cost... <laughs> Look, I mean, again, how much have you paid? Like, when, when, when you start throwing money my way, then maybe you can start holding me to some sort of standard you imagine in your head. Or when the advertisers roll in, maybe I, whatever. It is, it is true, though. Well, actually, no, it's not. I'm going to now suddenly, after having agreed... What's your Venmo? <laughs> send me money on PayPay. And link in the description of the YouTube channels has my PayPal. I actually had my first donation a month ago, two months ago. It was very exciting for me. Some guy just, like, dropped me 20 bucks. I was... That's the most money I've made off any of endeavors I've ever had so far. Anyways, no, I'm not the worst reporter. See, the thing is, I actually double check everything I say. So if I get a story, I don't accept it if it's only one story. I have to have two sources, which a lot of journalists in online sources, they don't do that anymore. They'll just take it and repeat it and maybe even make changes to it. There was the story of the guy who hit the taxi driver who hit the pigeon. And I found two sources. And then a third source actually said they changed it from pigeon to dove to try to create that sort of more sympathetic sound to the story, which was an embellishment, which made it inaccurate, which made me realize like, okay, this person, this writer cannot be trusted. So as far as a trusted news source, while I am not the investigative reporter, when it comes to the things I say, they are verifiable. Better than Fox News, which legally is entertainment. This is not entertainment. This is fucking news. All right. Anyways, uh, the average. <laughs> this this was a story about Valentine's Day, which is you know sort of one of those light stories that has no actual meaning. The average intended cost of the gift is three thousand two hundred and thirty eight yen, which is down. From 3,329 yen in previous years. 66.2% of people are planning to give it to their partners or spouses. Coworkers are down to 14.1%, where 72% of the people surveyed said it is either somewhat unnecessary or completely unnecessary to give chocolate to your shitty, stinky coworker who laughs too loud and eats with his mouth open. I'm not thinking of anyone in specifically who works in the office where I work, who eats crackers every morning that smell like shrimp, and I'm across the fucking office, and I can smell it, and eats with his mouth open, and he's eating sembe, which is like a hard cracker, so it's, also, it's not only like a really noisy food to eat, the fucking wrapper is weirdly noisy, it's like the noisiest food ever invented, and he's the only one in the office who's making any sound, and I don't want to kill him. I don't want to pick up a chair and throw it at him. I don't want to push him out the window. No one in particular. I mean, that was just a hypothetical that came to mind. It has no, no bearing on any person in reality. This was the interesting part of this article, though. Was they were blaming the reduction in wanting to give Giri Giri Choco to an increase in teleworking 
and not inflation. Because to me, it would make way more sense like if chocolate as its baseline gets more expensive, it would make way more sense that people don't want to pay for something that they already see as unnecessary. But they're saying like, oh, people are not as in the office, they're not as connected. It almost felt conspiratorial like this was one of those weird return to office pushes like oh you're losing the connection that the office creates which is as we all know complete and utter bullshit speaking of inflation oh my god i put my stories together in the right order today that's that's a piece of magic right there people are buying less because of inflation i actually noticed that i buy less overall because of inflation Previously, I would go out for lunch regularly. Now I have basically stopped. I don't go out for lunch. I uh, meal prep. So I make burritos. I make like 20, 30 burritos and I freeze them and I bring them into the office. That's it's cheaper and I'm not spending money to go to restaurants. So and that's inflation. Like I could see the price go out, go up. I can see that going out is too expensive. I'm not going to do it anymore. Convenience stores and supermarkets are also, they're, they're like feeling it. They're getting feeling a hit. So what they're doing is creating larger products to lure people in. And the owner of, I think it was Eon Corporation, said, because of the appearance, larger food can provide excitement and fun that price cuts can't. And here's, here's the thing from a consumer perspective. I would rather have normal food at a discounted price, or let's just put it this way, when inflation is no longer an issue, like inflation is capped out and you're like, we're not selling enough of this, capitalism actually dictates that's when you lower the price. I don't want an extra large onigiri. I don't want a uh, a cake with more frosting on it. I would just like the regular version at a lower price. And then you're more likely to get my patronage on a regular basis. It is interesting that these... It's convenience stores and supermarkets are like, instead of lowering the price of our regular products, we're going to take some products and make them extra big for the same price. And I, I, they're only choosing select products. So it's not really like the necessities, the things you need. They would make a lot more money if you just said, let's make a regular price. And let's actually drop the price on regular items. And then people would keep coming back because, hey, it's slightly cheaper here than somewhere else. That is exactly what I would think. And that's where I would go. Uh, they're increasing the size of onigiri, bento boxes, so pre-prepared lunch boxes, and a bunch of sweets. Honestly, it's one of those things that sounds like a good plan to executives, but then doesn't translate into the real world where people actually live and work. The Japan Education Minister. This was actually something I learned, so that's 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 nice. I he said I never received support from the Unification Church, and then the next week he's like, okay, I, I kind of received support from the Unification Church. Unification Church is a big issue in Japan. Way back, uh, now a year ago, the former Prime Minister Abe was shot. He was shot by a guy who was angry at the Unification Church because the Unification Church had ruined his family because his mom had joined and given all the family money to the church. And he said he wanted to exact revenge. Abe's father was the one that brought the Unification Church into Japan as an organization. He was a politician. He let them into the country. He let them become an organized religion. So it wasn't a direct link, but there was supposed to be a Unification Church leader at this thing where the guy showed up and Abe was there. The guy didn't show up, so he shot Abe instead. It was like a, actually a target of opportunity. This set off a whole thing where people are like, well... 
is the Unification Church taking money from people? And then it turns out they're doing a lot of really weird stuff. We've actually covered that in a previous episode, so I'm not going to go over it again. But what they did find out is the Unification Church does a lot of pandering to politicians. Not a big surprise. You want to uh, enact political power, you got to get politicians. So they give a lot of money to politicians. Politicians are all now scared because now if you've received money or anything from the Unification Church, it looks bad. It looks like you've been bought and paid for, which you probably have, you fucking education minister. Turns out the thing I didn't know, the education minister is also in charge for religious issues, which if you are in charge of religious issues and you've taken money from the Unification Church, there's a bit of a conflict of interest there. That's kind of the issue that maybe has come up. Uh, so he said, no, I, I've never dealt with the Unification Church. Turns out he participated in an event hosted by the Unification Church and accepted a letter of recommendation from them. So he says, and this is on record, if there happened to be photos, I think I must have received a recommendation letter. So I do like the initial part of that sentence more than anything else. If there happen to be photos, he's like, basically, if you have evidence, then it must be true. If you don't have evidence, then I'm going to deny it because you don't have evidence. So if you have evidence, bring it forward, and then I'll admit that I did it. It's a very interesting piece of logic he's working on because he's basically saying, if you can prove it, I'll admit it. But if you can't, I'm not going to. Asahi Shimbun published these photos, and it's him at the event receiving the letter of recommendation and being very chummy-chummy with the Unification Church. This is uh, coming after a scandal in the government where a whole bunch of people were taking money. I mean, again, not a particularly surprising scandal, but it's actually meant Kishida, the current prime minister, like his whole cabinet is now being called into question. And it is going to be a big problem for him in the upcoming elections. Crimes in Japan rose for a second straight year. In 2023, it went up 17% to 703,351 crimes recorded. This is basically because coronavirus restrictions have been reduced. So all the, criminals, crimin, all the criminals were in lockdown, which meant it's really hard to commit crime if you're stuck in your house. But also there's been a legislation change. So the penal code has been revised. The interpretation of forcible intercourse has been updated in the penal code. And so those cases rose by 63.8%. This sounds like there are thousands of forcible intercourse cases that have suddenly happened but what's actually happened was before they were happening and not getting prosecuted now they are being prosecuted so this incredible rise 63 percent rise in forcible intercourse crime means that it's actually being prosecuted now where before it wasn't it's good that these are being prosecuted this Huge rise in numbers, though, has meant the atmosphere, the feeling of the average citizen in Japan thinks that Japan is a less safe country. So a survey said 70% believe that Japan is less safe than it was before, uh, before being a very vague term. Because, yeah, during the pandemic, when everything was locked down, everything was very safe because no one was allowed to leave the house. But getting to actual statistics a 4.8 percent increase in fraud and robbery cyber scams are up eight percent there were 19,033 cyber scams recorded last year it's the most in 10 years obviously the internet is where these scams are going to take place from now on 44.1 billion yen it's up for the second year in a row the scams are not just coming from within japan the scams are actually coming from all over southeast asia 
Gassy. We talked about Gassy a lot. And I talked about Gassy a lot because he had a very interesting thing. He was living in Dubai. He was a YouTuber. And what his YouTube was like all uh, scandals in Japan. And then he said he was living in Dubai because if he came back to Japan, they would arrest him. And there were people against him. And it was like all very conspiratorial. And then he ran for office and he thought, like, I can run for office remotely. And he won. He was running in the government remotely. And they're like, no, you have to show up. He's like, if I show up, you're going to arrest me. And then they're like, no, that's not going to happen. Then he showed up and got arrested. And now the case is actually coming to sort of a conclusion, essentially online intimidation. So he was a, basically a cyber bully. He would get scandals. He would get information. And then he would like blackmail people or pick people he doesn't like. And he would like harass them. Uh, Gassy's online intimidation symbolizes the problem of online defamation and its extreme maliciousness. Ooh, that's what the judge said. Prosecutors are looking for four years in prison. So in a weird way, though, this is actually funny because he was talking all conspiracy and, I, and everyone's like, no, 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 it's not a conspiracy, not a conspiracy. That's not going to happen. And then it was true. The whole time it was true. They're like, as soon as you step foot in this country, you're going to get arrested, which is exactly what he said would happen. He's being accused of threats against actors. Uh, Ayano Go seems to be the main one uh, who said, I have been slandered. I've lost contracts. And I demand a strict punishment. So this is actually a big thing. Like when your name gets dragged through the mud in Japan, companies will not work with you. So he lost advertising contracts and probably millions and millions of yen because of the things that Gassy said. So Gassy having to pay the price for that is good. Again, I think this opens him up. Once he's uh, found guilty, there's also a civil suit that Ayano Go could levy towards him and probably try to recoup some of those funds. Although I bet Gassy's not going to have that much money left over after all this. So there was a man, and he's a fan of this ex-porn star. And she goes live on TikTok now. And he sends her 80,000 yen, and he says, let's meet for tea. Now, if you're a cool person in Japan, young person, this is actually a pickup line. So it sounds, let's meet for tea sounds very innocent. Most Japanese pickup lines and stuff do. Uh, in Korea, what is it? it? Like, let's go to my house and I'll make you ramen is like, come over and sleep with me at my apartment. In Japan, let's go for tea means like, let's go on a date. So he sent her 80,000 yen and like dropped a pickup line. And she's like, well, I got a simp on the hook. Let's go. She replied later with, if I'm driving, so like if I have to come meet you, that'll be another 150,000 yen. And so the dude paid it. So the dude is paid 80,000 yen for the initial dropping the line, 150,000 yen to get her to drive to him or to wherever they're going to meet. And then she said, not having, not being satisfied. She said, I haven't been able to pay my phone bill. So give me another 40,000 yen, which he then paid. But then she never actually met him. So this is 270,000 yen total. This man has spent, has given to this ex porn star. And she actually still hasn't met him. Then during email conversations, or it's like online line is a, like a chat system they use in Japan. It's probably the most popular one. She said that he started treating her coldly. He's probably treating her coldly because she's taken 270,000 yen. Now, an average salary in Japan is going to be 250 to 300,000 yen. So he's paid the average monthly salary just to have a meeting with this woman who said she will meet him. And then she's not doing it. And she's like, oh, I'm angry that he's now cold to me. She said she would return all the money, but he could never contact her again. He said, fine. And then she hasn't returned the money. So I'm wondering, yeah, like, where's the legality here? 
because the money was given under a condition, but there was no contract. Can he take this a step further? Now, let's face facts. He wanted to meet a porn star. I think we all know what he actually wanted to have happen. Uh, But it seems like a good story to end on. But there's no conclusion because the story hasn't ended yet. The story hasn't ended yet because we don't know if he's going to get his money back or if she's actually going to meet him. She's not going to meet him because she was just trying to like scam him for money. Is there a scam here? Because he gave the money willingly. Like if you were going to donate money to a podcaster and then make demands of the podcaster and then they didn't meet those demands, would he then be obligated to give that money back? I don't think so. But the fact that there was a disingenuous agreement made is a kind of fraud. So with my very shallow understanding of Japanese legal law, I actually bet the fact that she said, if you give me 150,000 yen, I will come and drive to meet you. That is an oral contract. (laughs) Oral porn, ex-porn star. That's an oral contract, and therefore he would have some kind of civil case. It wouldn't be punitive. I bet he could get his money back. I don't think he could actually like get extra money from her. Just like if you gave a podcaster money, so let's say 80,000 yen. If you dropped 80,000 yen on your favorite podcast, I mean, what kind of demand would you make of me anyways? Like take off my shirt? The problem is I would do it. I would take off my shirt and it would be disgusting because it would blow out the camera and you wouldn't be able to see anything anymore. Would it be 80,000 yen and only... (laughs) All right, so Ignatz is just put in the chat sing, but you will please note that Ignatz has not dropped any money. So when the money gets dropped, then we will have an oral contract if I agree to it. That's the problem. That's the bit you're missing. So yes, you can say, I request that you sing. We, and then I can say, well, I want 100,000 yen and I will sing the song of my choice and then I will sing and then it'd be like, I'm not satisfied with that song. Unfortunately, then I would have actually fulfilled my side of the contract and you would just lose, you would not be able to accuse me of fraud. Whereas if you gave me 100,000 yen and I said I would sing the song of your choice and then I sang a different song, that could be problematic. But if I just didn't sing at all, well then absolutely that would be fraud. That was really messy today. I do not know what happened. I think I just kind of mentally am not there. Oh, he's actually asleep. He's I can he's like doing the, the the deep breathing, sleeping. His eyes are closed. He's sleeping while sitting up. I bet if I just left this on Twitch, this would be the most popular thing I've ever done. Can I get the microphone down to his nose? Oh, oh no, he's laying down again. Ah, that's too bad. All right, show's over.